Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. I'm your host, Josh Schneps. The economic fallout from COVID has been devastating for many businesses and residents in New York City. And today I have on one of the key stakeholders focused on the city's economy and improving the quality of life for millions of city residents, workers, and visitors. He spent his career building stronger cities through investments in affordable housing, innovation, and 21st century infrastructure. And I'm sure he's tapping into all of his experience and talents at such a challenging time as the one we're in now. But I'm happy to welcome James Patchett, who is president and CEO of the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Great to have you on, James. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. So I feel a year ago, we would have uh, obviously been having a totally different conversation on economic growth and, and development. And I wanna to touch on how the pandemic has changed your role, your strategic objectives and outlooks. But first, can you share just a little bit about your personal background leading up to how you got involved into the role you're in today? Very fortunate in that I consider my current job to be my dream job. It's such a unique opportunity to be at the crux of addressing so many issues that are important to me and having a remarkable team to do it with, uh, and not to mention doing it on behalf of the greatest city in the world. So it's a remarkable place to be. And, you know, I would argue there's no more important time to be doing this work than the moment we're in right now and where we have been for the last year. Yeah. For me, I have always cared about the issues associated with economic development. It started uh, with an interest in affordable housing, became involved with Habitat for Humanity when I was in middle school, actually. And then I had my, my local church. I convinced them to start a Habitat for Humanity chapter. So I spent a lot of time volunteering for Habitat when I was in high school, where we built affordable housing for, for people. And then I went on uh, in college to, to lead a chapter of Habitat for Humanity that, that encompassed my school as well as four other schools. I convinced my, my school to donate land for the first time in its history to build affordable housing on. So that was a pretty compelling experience. Uh, and, and I think what I saw out of that work and the affordable housing work I've done throughout my life is how housing... And if having secure housing is at the center of someone's economic well-being, it's an incredibly important foundation. But it's not just housing uh, that makes for a successful family, obviously. I studied economics in college and went on and really have ever since been working at, a, with, at the intersection of affordable housing and the broader question of neighborhood and economic development, which is how do we build not just you know, strong families and a foundation that has them with all of the services they need, but also just strong neighborhoods and strong cities. Uh, and have been working on that in various ways throughout my entire career. And I've had an opportunity throughout my career to work with EDC and other organizations like it across the country. Uh, and I'm just really privileged to be in this role right now at this time. Well, hearing your story, it sounds like you were born for a role of economic development. Well, I, you know, I actually, it's it's sort of funny when you say that. I kind of feel like I not intentionally put the pieces that are necessary for this role together uh, at different points in my career. Uh, you know, I worked as, I mean, I volunteered in affordable housing uh, when I was young, started, I did ec economic development consulting on behalf of cities right out of college. I got to, went to business school, so I got the training and leadership that I needed. Uh, I worked in, in, in investing in urban areas and so learned the real estate side of it and the public sector or the private sector 
angle on working with the public sector. I worked in the mayor's office, so I had an exposure to the bureaucracy and how all the different institutions work together. And I feel like collectively those pieces uh, prepared me very well for this job. Well, I think the trade also you share, which is so important to be great at what you do is to love what you do. Because I'm oh, a big yeah. if you don't really love what you do, you can't be great at it. I was an investment banker out of college and I hated it. So I knew it was time to move on. Yeah, you know, it's so true. When I was in graduate school, I, I did an internship uh, at a consulting firm. And as interesting as it was, I just didn't want to get out of bed every day. But every single day at EDC, like I, there's never been a day that I didn't want to go into the office or the virtual office uh, and do the work. It's just fascinating every day. The problems are so challenging and you're working on behalf of people. And that's the thing that has always gotten me excited throughout my life, really. Well, I love to hear that. You know, for, for people that don't really understand what the EDC's role is, perhaps you can just give an a, a overview of what it does and maybe some of your more well-known initiatives that, that are widely known. And, and I would also love for you to share how initiatives or your strategy has potentially changed based on the pandemic. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think the acronym NYC EDC means a lot to the layperson, uh, but if you're in the circle of economic development, uh, it's, it's known as being a very unique organization. So I, I usually describe us as doing three key things, uh, which is that we own and manage uh, over 60 million square feet of real estate in the city. And that includes everything from 42nd Street between 7th and 8th Avenue uh, in Times Square, all the way to industrial campuses throughout the city, like uh, the Brooklyn Army Terminal, which is over 4 million square feet in Sunset Park. We also build infrastructure projects that are connected to economic development. So we use funding from New York City to uh, invest in key neighborhoods. Uh, an example of that is our um, is our redevelopment, or sorry, of, of our continuation of the Manhattan Greenway, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, the operation and establishment of the New York City ferry system, uh, which uh, was started. Uh, which began actually right when I started at EDC and has been expanding ever since. Finally, we work at this uh, intersection of the public and private sectors to try to spur new areas of innovation and growth, places where we think there are new opportunities for the city, places like tech and the life sciences, as well as advanced manufacturing. And of course, every element of that work has changed uh, over the last eight months, like uh, has been the case for almost everyone. So talking about that, I mean, what do you think is the path for New York City to start to economically recover from COVID? Well, the first is, is to get through it to the other side with as little damage as possible, because we have to have as strong a foundation to build from. I think, I mean, fundamentally, I'm very bullish on New York City's future while recognizing that we have real challenges ahead of us. We have over 600,000 people who are unemployed, which is just unfathomable when you think about the fact that we had our lowest unemployment rate in recorded history right before the pandemic. So it's an incredible juxtaposition of circumstances. I don't think any, anyone could have foreseen it coming this way. You know, but, but my belief is step one is focus on our health, make sure that New York City gets through this as strong as possible, 
try to do our best to support our local businesses to make it through to the other side of this uh, and support residents to be in a position. But when we get through this, hopefully next summer, we have a strong foundation to start with. And then we also need to think about what the future looks like uh, and how we're not just going back to the economy that we had before, but how we make economy that is reshaped to the economic future uh, that we know is coming, but also ideally a more equitable economy, one that uh, recognizes the incredible challenges that COVID laid bare and the inequities in different neighborhoods and tries to more fundamentally address those. Well, you talked a little bit about public-private partnerships, right, in terms of innovation and growth. What do you think is the top of the list when it comes to that for, you know, 2021 and beyond? We have been working for the last few years on the life sciences, which is like, you know, biotech uh, and growing that industry in New York City. And we've had really remarkable success. Uh, And now with COVID, that seems prescient uh, and that there's probably no more important industry right now than the biotech industry. I mean, we all saw the recent announcement from Moderna of their vaccine success, Pfizer, which is headquartered Mm -hmm. in New York City. Uh, and their incredibly effective vaccine. You know, these are really critical companies and they are gonna become even more important in the economic future. Want, you know, one of the things that, that I foresee is, you know, in substantially increased investment in that space, which we've frankly already been seeing from venture capitalists this year. Uh, and I think we'll see that both because uh, you know, we've seen the importance of diagno- or of uh, therapeutics to to the response to this pandemic, but also because of the innovations that have come out of this from a regulatory standpoint. If you're a biotech company uh, and you're looking at developing a vaccine and you're looking at a 10-year approval process, the cost of developing that vaccine in time is dramatic. Now, when we've demonstrated as a society that we can get vaccines approved in less than a year, I think that's going to fundamentally reshape the drug approval process and the treatment approval process, uh, which is an opportunity for an explosion in better health outcomes, as well as job creation for people in that industry. Is there anything specific to New York City in terms of us being positioned for that industry? Absolutely. So we are, New York City uh, is second highest recipient of NIH funding of any any city, which puts us in a position of having this really fantastic network of local academic medical centers and research institutions that are developing the basic science uh, that results in so many of the breakthroughs that we see all of the time. You know, that's the fundamental building block that you need in order to succeed uh, in the life sciences. Uh, and we've had so much great research come out of those institutions. What we're seeking to do is ensure that more of that expertise results in companies that are founded in New York City and stay in New York City. Uh, one of the biggest roadblocks to that has been the lack of available lab space uh, for people to actually build those companies. And we have been all out effort for the last few years to dramatically expand that. Uh, and if you look at what's happening right now in New York, you'll see a continued significant investment in lab space that we have helped to spur, which I think will result in more and more companies building their, building their technologies here as opposed to doing the basics research here and then shipping it off to another location to really grow the company and hire people. I also see a significant opportunity 
uh, going forward at the intersection of public health and economic development. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there is going to be an enormous investment from the federal government in the coming years in pandemic preparedness. Uh, New York City has learned the really hard way what went well and what didn't go well. Uh, and I think there's a real opportunity for us to be a center of excellence for that and be a substantial recipient of federal uh, investment in that area and also develop more public-private partnerships to prepare for a future pandemic. So you talked about affordable housing and how you got involved in that in college. And, you know, obviously the growth uh, over the last several years has been terrific, economically speaking, in New York City. But there's been a lot of people pushing back in terms of disparities that have been created in incomes. And there's been, seems to be blowback from economic development projects, largely around real estate. You know, the Amazon project was a huge one in Long Island City, but just recently, uh, Industry City, um, the developers there walked away from investing a tremendous amount in redeveloping an entire area. So what is your take on that? Because, you know, I guess the fear of the development is that it will create less affordable housing and, and change a neighborhood. So what, what can you express in terms of that and, and being able to communicate the benefits of uh, economic development projects? It's a very complicated uh, and important topic. Uh, the connection between growth and inequity. Uh, and I think you know, it's really hard for people who you know, have grown up in neighborhoods uh, and watched them change to, to see how their families are going to be able to continue to stay there, right? If you've, if you've been in New York City your whole life and your parents have been here their whole life and your grandparents have been here and suddenly neighborhoods are changing in a way that is making it harder for you to stay there, I think that is results in some real fear, an understandable fear, because you know, as I started out saying, there's you know there's nothing more important than having a secure home base, a secure home uh, with which to uh, build, have a strong family, and so I think those are really legitimate fears. On the other hand, I don't think that the solution to that is for us to stop the city from growing. To the contrary, we need to be able to build housing. Uh, in order to reduce the burden on on renters, because I mean it's just simple supply and demand. The more housing you have, the less the lower rents are. I mean that's just how supply and demand works. I think we need to do a better job, certainly, uh, of balancing those issues uh, and ensuring that uh, you know the community is being heard and that we're not just for appearances, but in reality, real conversations with local folks about what they want to see out of development. But the can't answer can't be no development because that's uh, a bad result for everyone. Yeah. So what do you think can be done? Because obviously politics sometimes uh, comes into play. But I mean, are there other things that can be done to be able to see, you know, certain projects come to fruition? Because I have to imagine, you know, coming out of the pandemic, job creation is going to be at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah Josh, absolutely. I mean, I think I think it's fair to point out that there are two new dynamics that will influence the thinking about this that didn't previously exist. One of which is, I mean, right now, again, we have over 600,000 unemployed New Yorkers. So you can't look away from the fact that we need to create jobs and that that has to be a part of the dialogue 
the longer that lasts, the more pressure there will be on people to have answers to that uh, and not just oppose things that create jobs, but have alternatives. So I do think that that's a, a meaningful factor. On the other hand, this experience has also, as I mentioned, underscored uh, inequities across neighborhoods. And so I think it does it does put more of a burden on the public sector to be proactively addressing inequities as opposed to just saying development is not causing harm. But the question is like, what is it? How is it helpful? How is it adding to this community? How is it making it a better place for my family? Yeah, absolutely. Going through this, I mean, obviously, economically speaking, in your role must have been a a lot of lessons that you've learned. What would you say is the biggest lesson or just maybe some takeaways that you've learned through being a leader of such a large organization um, or just your role in economic development during the pandemic? Well, I mean, this has been an extraordinary period for anyone in a leadership position uh, without question. The most important thing that I could do in my job was just regularly communicate with my team and reassure them that the world was not ending. I started doing uh, initially daily emails to our team, updating them on the COVID situation. We were doing weekly town halls virtually. Uh, so every week I would get on with my entire company and take Q&A as well as reinsure them about the situation in the city. Uh, and that was on top of the daily communication. So I think communicate, communicate, communicate has been my mantra throughout this entire time. Uh, and frankly, it, it's a good lesson for the future, which is we were under communicating before with our team uh, and we're having just much more open dialogue now internally, re-asking ourselves important questions about what we're doing to proactively center equity in our work. I think that's obviously an important thread that has come out of this period of time. Have a whole team that's spending hours every week uh, focusing on new initiatives that we can stand up to uh, rethink our work uh, in a more proactive effort to address inequity. But I also think, I mean, what's what's been remarkable to me during this period of time is how innovative our team has been. I think we have taken the approach from the outset, which is look at what the biggest problem is and see how we can roll up our sleeves and help. Uh, that has always been the EDC mentality, but uniquely over this period of time, I'm really impressed with the work that the team has done to respond to every crisis. You know, we've built over a million test kits locally we produced over 4 million face shields, which created thousands of jobs that also helped protect health workers. We, uh, sorry, it was 8 million face shields. Uh, we built over 4 million gowns locally to help protect health workers. All of these pieces collectively have made, I think, a really big impact on the economy of the city, but also the health of the city. Well, James, I'm really appreciative of your time and sharing your story and I know that I will be cheering you on and your team on. And, you know, I agree that New York City is the greatest city in the world and we'll get through this, but it's going to take uh, everyone working together to do it. So thank yeah, you so thanks, much. Josh. It's, it's been a remarkable uh, time. Everyone's got to work together on this. And I'm very appreciative of your support and people across New York City who believe in the city and the future. Well, thanks again, James. Thank you. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.